to my appearance here today, I hope that police officers in the future will not experience the same frustration and anxiety that I was subjected to for the past five years at the hands of my superiors because of my attempt to report corruption. I was made to feel that I had burdened them with an unwanted task. The problem is that the atmosphere does not yet exist in which an honest police officer can act without fear of ridicule or reprisal from fellow officers. Police corruption cannot exist unless it is at least tolerated at higher levels in the department. Therefore, the most important result that can come from these hearings is a conviction by police officers that the department will change. In order to ensure this, an independent, permanent investigative body dealing with police corruption like this commission is essential. Pacino from the great movie Serpico and then it was Anton Karras which I don't know why I keep bringing up his name as if you don't know who he was. Sir Carol Reed when he filmed The Third Man found him in Austria and said you know what we want you to play the music for The Third Man and he got the gig. But going back to um, the opening which is Al Pacino as Frank Serpico, my dear friend. That's an award-winning movie, award-winning role from an award-winning human being, which is my dear friend, Frank Serpico. We have found interviews today which we thought were lost. You know, it's like uh, finding the Dead Sea Scrolls interviews with Frank Serpico, which never aired. Uh, and they uh, revolve around three major issues. One, Julian Assange. Two, with uh, police brutality uh, and uh, endemic corruption within the, not just the police, more importantly, which he will describe with the judges and the prosecutors, which is much more important than the police. The police are a sideshow. It's the judges and the prosecutors, which I have been saying for the last 30 years. And then the uh, third interview will be him uh, on the uh, inauguration day of Donald Trump. And he says things then, on that day, back in January, I think it was January 6th, 3rd of 2017, that were very prophetic. So we're going to play all three of those interviews today. These are the lost Serpico interviews. I can't believe that we have them. And all three of them are very significant. So the first one we're going to go to right now. By the way, this is Randy Credico, Randy Credico, live on the fly. And uh, this is Assange's Countdown to Freedom. And uh, this is Frank Serpico from the first year of Assange's Countdown to Freedom back in uh, May of 2000, 
and 17, and he is really on fire. And we'll be right back after that interview. Thank you. Listen. There's a documentary out called Never Run When You're Right, and it's a documentary on the great whistleblower, the former NYPT detective Frank Serpico, who is joining us now from the Ecuadorian embassy in Albany. No, it's a joke here. He's, I don't know where you are, Frank, but uh, welcome to the show, Frank Serpico. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, <clears throat> Frank, you know, great to have I'm you on sure the show. Yeah, did he never run uh, when you're right? What What is that, uh, why that title, Never Run When You Are Right? Well, the actual title is Frank Serpico. That's the subtitle. Because my father said, never run when you're right. You know, stand up to authority when it's wrong, you know. He showed me how to stand up to a crooked cop when I was a young teenager working in his uh, shoeshine shop. Uh, a big burly cop came in. I gave him the best shine I could. And he just uh, stepped down, walked out without paying, without saying thanks. And uh, that made uh, a, a big impression on me. I'll be at a very bad impression uh, by someone who's wearing the shield of the law. And the next week, my father... I saw him crossing the street. My father worked in the window repairing shoes. And he says, here comes that piece of shit again. Oh, boy. And he wasn't yeah, required to the uniform. We got it. Yeah. He was in the uniform. And he walked around the counter. He confronted him at the door. And he said, good morning, officer. You want to shine? And then the guy said, yeah. My father put out his hand. And he said, ten cents. Pay first. Wow. And that was my first... Uh, experience with standing up to authority. <clears throat> now, and your listeners, Daniel Summers says goodbye. <clears throat> Daniel Summers, he's never been considered a whistleblower, but I do. He's one of the greatest American heroes. Uh, he was uh, in the U.S. Army in the mid-20s, and he participated in over 400 combat missions as a machine gunner in the turret of a Humvee. He turned down two Purple Hearts because he said he wasn't wounded serious enough. And uh, now, this, in a way, uh, trying to, a lot of people won't understand, you know, guys that have PTSD. He says, I, I really have been trying to hang on for more than a decade now. Each day has been a testament to my extent to which I cared, suffering unspeakable horror as quietly as possible so that you could feel as though I was still here for you. In truth, I was nothing more than a prop, filling space so that my absence would not be noted. In truth, I have already been absent for a long, long time. My body has become nothing but a cage, a source of pain and constant problems. I could go on, but I want to get to the source yes. of where... Where we are today. Yeah. We are, we are, I, I got to jump in here and say, you know, I, I, that's, a, that's a brilliant, beautiful, a touching story, Frank. And, and I um, want to talk about uh, Julian Assange. Uh, we're doing this special series on him. He is a whistleblower. He has exposed uh, American... I know, all of, I, know I, I got to ask you a question. I, I, an American 
American war crimes in Iraq, Afghanistan, and everything that he's done, Frank, is legitimate. He's been a reporter. When you, I know. Uh, why haven't why haven't his peers come to his support in the media? All right, now if you'll let me finish, of course. And uh, now this is Summers talking. The simple truth is this: during my first appointment, I was made to participate in things the enormity of which is hard to describe: war crimes, crimes against humanity. I did not participate willingly and made what I thought was my best effort to stop these events. There are some things that a person simply cannot come back from. I take some pride in that, actually, as to move on in life. But he goes on to say, to force me to do those things and then participate in the ensuing cover-up is more than any government has a right to demand. Then the same government has turned around and abandoned me. And that's what Assange, you know, revealed what this government is doing to our sons and daughters and then wants them to participate in the cover-up. Now, Daniel Summers, he, he gave the ultimate, ultimate sacrifice because he took his own life. And no man who served in the military should ever have to do that for this country. And the things that are happening now, they were happening long before Trump uh, came into power. I was, you know, with the WikiLeaks, that was long before Trump. So uh, I, from personal experience, I've I become a cleaning house for political corruption. And I can tell you categorically that the Committee on Professional Standards or the Committee on Judicial Conduct exist in name only. And that's why when Trump said, so-called judge, he couldn't have spoke more truth than that. And then they went after him because they said, you can't attack our judiciary. Well, why not? If it's corrupt and rotten to the core, yeah, there's a couple of good judges out there. But they're all eating out of the same trough. And that's why they don't want to get exposed. And why people like Lassange or people like me and... Uh, what happens, I'll, I'll put it this way. One day I was doing a radio talk show, and a cop called up and he said, You know, Frank, the day you testified before the NAP Commission was the darkest day for this police city of New York. He says, I was ashamed to go home and face my wife and kids. I said, Really? Why? What did you do wrong? He said, Nothing. I said, Then why didn't you come up and back me out? come out and back me up. And he shot back, what? And be an outcast like you? Because that's what happens to people that expose the system. Because the system is rotten and corrupt. And they don't, and now they're talking about, you know, Trump uh, jeopardizing, uh, you know, with, uh, with Russia. And what about uh, what happened? Uh, they're saying that other countries won't trust us now. We're spying on Germany. We're spying on all our allies. So it's nothing but a system of lies that doesn't want to be exposed. And that's what Assange did. And for that, I back him 100%. And so now they want to make us the bad guys. You know, I was saying about George Orwell. He said, in a time of universal deceit, 
telling the truth is a revolutionary act. And if we have ever been at a time of universal deceit, it's right now. And, uh, you know, I don't know if your listeners <clears throat> ever read Kafka, Kafka's trial, and uh, but they should. I feel we're stuck now between George Orwell's 1984 and Kafka's trial, where this bankers taken off by agents with no name. They don't know what agency, who's the judge he goes before. Uh, you know, similar stuff that's been happening around the world in these black boxes and uh, extraditions and um, even uh, in Guantanamo. It's happening. It's real. We can't deny it. And that's why Trump got elected, because people were disgusted with the status quo of these uh, gum flappers and stuff shirts and bureaucrats. We do not live in a democracy. No we live no. in a plutocracy. Uh, the working man, we, we don't have a decent uh, hourly wage. Uh, it, it's it's a, a disgrace that a handful of people rule this empire. And it is an empire. Yes, it is. It's a, a crumbling empire, I think. It's... Uh... Um, not in in good shape. I think we are. Uh, it's things are really bad, Frank. It's it's worse now than it was during the days of Nixon. I mean, it's it's just like I don't know where we're going with it. Everybody's being spied on. If you look at this stuff in Vault Seven, not only has the NSA been spying on us, the CIA is mimicking the. NSA and their spy. So they're spy, as you said, and the government spying on Germany, Italy, and uh, England, everywhere. Um, so we live in a totalitarian state. I, you know, last week I asked William Benny says, on a scale from one to ten, about a six. Let me ask you this, Frank. All right, so you have been out there after you testified, whistleblower. You were had you were in the crosshairs of the NYPD, but you survived all these years. What kind of advice would you give Julian Assange when he gets out of the embassy in London? Well, if he could find himself a quiet place where nobody knows him and try to enjoy a little bit of what's left of uh, God's country, because God's country is not America, it's the earth. And... Um, we have to appreciate, I know it sounds, you know, philosophical, but there is no other creature on this earth that has slapped uh, its creator in the face uh, by first using the knowledge that was given us, the so-called brains, to create nothing but destruction, bigger and bigger ways of destroying our brothers and sisters all over the world. And also, not only that, but is destroying the very environment that was meant to sustain us. So um, the thing is, be present, be aware, and realize that, um, you know, uh, we're not going to be here forever and try to minimize, you know, your suffering. And unfortunately, like uh, Daniel Summers, he just couldn't take it anymore, and uh, he took the, the, the final step. Frank Serpico, the documentary is Frank Serpico, Never Run When You're Right. I love you, Frank Serpico. You are a um, a real uh, hero of the planet. You are a real, uh, genuine hero, uh, and uh, we'll have you back on soon. Thank you for your 
your insight and your uh, philosophical thoughts, Frank, uh, they're right on. Frank Serpico will have you back soon. And uh, we are going to go to a break, and we'll be right back. Okay, that was Frank Serpico from um, May, I think, 16, 2017, one of the last audios that we, uh, we have of, of, uh, of all of our shows is the one with Frank Serpico. All right, now we're going to go to Frank Serpico from way back in uh, the summer of 2016, talking about the, uh, the culture of the police, but more importantly, the culture of the district attorneys and the judges who are much more culpable in this entire uh, racist apparatus that we have uh, in the U.S. It's not the police. The police are the foot soldiers. It's the generals. And the generals are the prosecutors and the judges and, of course, the politicians. So this is Frank clearly enunciating uh, this uh, awareness. All right, listen to this. Through my appearance here today, I hope that police offices in the future will not experience the same frustration and anxiety that I was subjected to for the past five years at the hands of my superiors because of my attempt to report police corruption. I was made to feel that I had burdened them with an unwanted task. The problem is that the atmosphere does not yet exist in which an honest police officer can act without fear or ridicule or reprisal from fellow officers. We must create an atmosphere in which the dishonest officer fears the honest one and not the other way around. I hope that this investigation and any future ones will deal with corruption at all levels within the department and not limit themselves to cases involving individual patrolmen. Police corruption cannot exist unless it is at least tolerated at higher levels in the department. Wow. That, that is, I got to tell you, uh, Mr. Serpico. Let me go on here. Oh. Therefore, oh. the most important result that can come from these hearings is a conviction by police officers, even more than the public, that the department will change. I also believe that it is most important for superior officers in the police department to develop an attitude of respect for the average patrolman. Every patrolman is an officer and should be treated as such by his superiors. A policeman's attitude about himself 
reflects in large measure the attitude of his superiors toward him. If they feel his job is important and has stature, so will the police officer. Through my appearance here today, I hope that police officers, uh, I'm uh, reiterating, it is just as important for policemen to change their attitude toward the public. A policeman's first obligation is to be responsive to the needs of the community he or she serves. The department must realize that an effective continuing relationship between the police and the public is more important than an impressive arrest record. The system of rewards within the police department should be based on a policeman's overall performance with the public rather than on his ability to meet arrest quotas, merely uncovering widespread patterns of police corruption will not resolve the problem. Basic changes in attitude and approach are vital. In order to ensure this, an independent, permanent, public, investigative body dealing with police corruption like this commission is essential. And that was over 45 yeah. years ago. And I'll tell you, Frank, you know, Andy, it really what is. has changed? Uh, well, I'll tell you, it, I remember. why I've seen that movie a hundred times, and, and I know it's quoted, I believe, from word, word, every single word, verbatim, uh, in, in the movie. And, uh, you know, it's just as dramatic now as it was then and just as timely right now. And when you're talking about the police. You and I spoke earlier today. You're talking about the, the, the police on the lower level, the mid-level uh, holding people on the upper echelons, the commissioners, the inspectors. But we also talked about the corruption within the district attorney's office and the uh, and within judges in, in the judiciary. I mean, that's something that is rarely ever talked about uh, today. I mean, they knew what was going on back then. They know what's going on back now. If a cop, a police officer, has got to make a case, I mean, district attorneys allow uh, suborned uh, testimony from police officers, and judges know what's going on, don't they? Uh, Listen, you just hit a very sore spot, because I live up in Columbia County, and I I say, I call it the Columbia Cartel, okay? In my opinion, it's the most corrupt county in New York State, although when I talk to other people, they say, no, my county is. Look, it goes I, all the way up to Albany. Albany knows about it. The Court of corrupt Appeals. Politicians the... need corrupt cops to do their dirty work. An old man in, in Europe said to me in Dutch, uh, uh, the grote hebben de kleine nodig, de kastanje uit de vuur en te halen. The big guys need the little guys to pull the chestnuts out of the fire without getting burned. you get it? Right. This is something that, you know, you have to, 
Uh, don't get me cranked up. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's uh, it's like you said. It's the judges, the district attorneys. Um, uh, you know, they always come up on top. You know, people are under the illusion that Lindsay was a good guy. I did a radio show last week, and this uh, the guy was telling me that Lindsay was a good guy that he appointed the NAP commission. I said, "What are you kidding me?" The guy responsible for the Nat Commission was a New York Times reporter named David Burnham. Without him, it would have never happened because he knew the story and he talked to the politicians and they weren't going to do anything about it. He was at a party and he said, hey, I got a thing about police. Uh, uh, he didn't say police. He said corruption. They ignored him. Then uh, the editor said, well, are we going to make the story run or not? And then Burnham called this guy up. He says, look, it's about police corruption. Woohoo! Lindsey jumped, and he pointed a commission. Who did he put on the commission? <laughs> the police commissioner, the district attorney, and a couple of other goons. Right. And myself and uh, other people, and at the time, Koch, before he became like the rest of them, said, how the hell can you, uh, how can the commissioner uh, investigate his own department? So Lindsay got shamed into appointing the Knapp Commission. And it was all due to the reporting of David Burnham, who uh, immediately then, um, the, uh, the editor of, of the Times says, okay, run the story. Wow. And, that's, and then they gave him, they gave the Knapp Commission limited funds and limited um, time, but they hit it lucky. They, uh, right around the corner from my house in the village, there were a couple of cops' cars responding to a so-called burglary and had their cops' car filled with stakes. I said, hey, go take a look over there. They got these guys, and so they go, whoa, so this is... But unfortunately, they always get the little guy... They fly, they fly a couple of little fish, it's and the big guys, you know, they go around. It's the Lieutenant Callies that they get. They don't get the Westmorelands. They don't get the architects, Cy Vance Sr., whoever's involved in the Vietnam War. It was all the guys on the ground, you know, the captains and, and the privates, uh, you know, that are prosecuted for war crimes, but they never get the architects, and the architects are way above uh, the the police department. I mean, it really, it's it's so widespread. Do you see uh, any kind? Uh, do you have any rosy uh, assessment of the future of of, uh, of policing in, in in this country uh, on the city? Well, uh, <laughs> listen. Uh, by the way, um, uh, sometimes I'm a little slow opening my mail, and uh, uh, I opened some mail that was uh, over a year old. And there was an invitation in there to appear with um, Cornell West, uh, an individual who I admire, and I would have loved to, um, you know, appear with him. So my apologies there. But when uh, um, Tavis Smiley, um, you know, uh, I referred to him as, um, you know, some kind of cookie, but I won't go there because people will say, oh, 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 no, 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 this guy... You know, I wrote him a letter, his lawyers, he was going to do this, um, uh, you know, when all the um, um, contestants are going to apply for the job of President of the United States, and, uh, and uh, Obama was one of them, 
I, I wrote him and I said, ask him a question in my name. Former detective Frank Serpico, what is he going to do about the problem we have with race relations? And he didn't even have the decency to respond to my email. So I'm going to get you and Cornell West. We've got a few more minutes here, but you know what? Cornell West was going to be on this show, except for he's traveling right now, but he'll be on the show. Maybe we can hook you up at the same time. I spoke to him yesterday for a long period of time. He is on the move. Uh, around the country and uh, in Europe, so he's a very busy guy, but he has a lot of respect, and he was really crestfallen when he got the news that you would possibly be on this show today, and he wouldn't be able to make it, so there's a, I know there's mutual admiration there. And, and, and let's not forget that uh, the Twin Towers were not the only ones that went down on September 11th. By the way, I became, I was sworn in on September 11, 1959. Uh, we forget about seven World Trade Center, where Fuliani had stored all that fuel, and it was his responsibility why that building came down. Because with all that heat, uh, one, that, uh, the, uh, the fuel caught fire and, and caused that building to collapse. The guy is an, uh, an abomination. And you give him time. He's hey, I, I, hey, I fully on it. He's listening now. He's over there, you know, um, eating his popcorn and drinking his wine. He, you know, he gets off on this stuff. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. in closing, I want to say that um, um, when I was when I was a cop working in Harlem and Bedford Stuyvesant, you know, when the local people. Uh, would uh, get an inkling that the the cops uh, were coming. And by the way, you know, uh, it, it's not a thing of race. You you have corruption on both sides. You know, uh, I had corrupt black cops that were bleeding their own people. In fact, you might say I was using reverse prejudice because I had a black partner, and I thought he wouldn't be screwing his own people, would he? Well, he was screwing them more than the white guy because he was using it. Uh, you know, to jive and 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 work uh, the machine, and, mm -hmm. and his father-in-law uh, was a judge. So anyway, uh, when the, the uh, local people knew that the cops were in the area, they would say, "Rise up!" The first it was like the hue and cry, the old hue and cry, you know. And the first guy that saw that made out that. Um, made a guy, you know, even though he wasn't dressed as a cop or whatever, he would say, rise up, and the call would go out, rise up, rise up. And by the time the cops got there, the place was clean. So what I want to say to your listeners is wake up and rise up and realize you're being had by self-serving politicians, and some of them may be black. Well... Uh, I don't think we're going to dispute that uh, right now. I think with anyone involved in that system, uh, it just breeds corruption. And we're talking with Frank Serpico, legendary heroic figure in New York and U.S. history uh, from uh, here in New York State. And we appreciate you being on the show. We'd like to have you on again with uh, Cornell West in the next couple of weeks when we're not yeah, in our Randy, fundraising. Yeah, uh, another caveat, you know. This shows you with the mentality, you know. I say it's not police brutality. It's police mentality, okay? Some of these guys, 
either they don't want to get educated. I don't mean going to college because uh, some of them go to college and then they milk the system too. And I have a, one particular guy in mind. Uh, uh, grandfather was the bagman for the commissioner. Uh, you know, these guys, they know how to work the system. Uh, so um, the, the, the thing is that... Um, the thing is that um, what was I going to say before? Uh, what I, I lost my uh, wake up my, and uh, rise up. Uh, yeah, yeah, I already said that, but there there was something about um, uh, anyway. Uh, it, it'll it'll come to me some other time. I think I said enough. You and, were. Uh, we have to go to you a know, break. And, and uh, those, uh, if any cops are listening out there, uh, get off those freaking cell phones and texting when you're out there working and stay alert because that's how some of the guys got it. When you're out there, you're in a dangerous situation. Uh, you know, uh, you got to be alert at all times, and a bulletproof vest isn't going to save your life. Amen. I agree with that. We'll talk about that uh, when we come back. Uh, thank you, um Frank Serpico. Thank you, Francisco. It's Francisco Frank Serpico. Francesco, listen, I just remembered what I was going to say. Okay, I offered my uh, paraphernalia, my police paraphernalia, my guns, my uniforms, to the police museum. And you think they wanted it? Hell no. Like all the other... Maybe you can give it to the Schomburg Center. I, I... We'll get. Well, I'm sure there are plenty of uh, somebody out there will get those. Frank, we uh, got to go to a break here. We're listen, we've been listening or uh, talking to Frank Serpico. Frank Serpico, a hero. Frank Serpico, a legendary figure in, in New York. Uh, and uh, we really appreciate your time on the show. We have to go to a break. Thank you, uh, uh, Frank Serpico. And we'll be talking to you very soon again. Thank you for your input and, and for your generosity. All right, so that was Frank Serpico, and that's the dog barking, but it's okay that Bianca barks because she hates police corruption and violence. So we can listen to her bark, all right, which is okay. It's very, uh, it's, it's part of me being live on the fly. And um, so you heard him talking about Assange. You heard him talking about the judges and the prosecutors and then this instance that you're about to listen to in these lost uh, Serpico interviews is the one on Inauguration Day 2017, where he definitely nailed where Trump was going with his, uh, his organization and his, uh, his agenda. So listen to that one, and then we'll be right back with some closing remarks. Now we get a different perspective here from someone that's the wisest person that I know. And, uh, you know, everybody knows him. I said to him last night, everybody knows Frank Serpico. A lot of these young cops don't know me. Well, everybody that listens to the station knows Frank Serpico. Everybody here, we have an enlightened audience. Uh, Frank Serpico, they made the movie with Al Pacino, uh, which is a great film. Uh, and now they're, now you can actually see the life story of Frank Serpico. There's a documentary that's going to be opening up uh, at the Tribeca Film Festival when it comes up here in the next couple of weeks or the next month. And we are so lucky to be joined once again by 
um, the very brilliant and articulate Frank Serpico. Frank, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. And uh, thanks for that uh, lovely compliment. And uh, first thing, uh, say hello to your listeners and uh, take this opportunity to welcome uh, our new president. Uh, the best of luck in making America great again. Do you I'm, think he's uh, going to do that? I, I wait with uh, great anticipation. Uh, but uh, meanwhile... Well, I hear all this bantering from uh, what I call national partisan radio, and uh, who's uh, you know the knob is on the left on the radio, and the knob on the right is uh, you know uh, conservative, uh, the right. But the what amused me most was the talk about the rule of law, freedom of speech, openness, democracy. <laughs> except when you tell the truth you know then you end up in jail and uh and that's what i've seen in the last uh eight years uh you know like the people of palestine and the united states of america me yes. an 80 year old retired new york city police detective on a disability witnessed my property being bulldozed by a contractor uh, with the blessing of the local uh, uh, constabulary, judiciary, and uh, even Miss uh, uh, Marconi that don't give a damn about the environment. Uh, and so, to me, like they say, when you slow down, there's no way to look but up. Right. They actually bulldoze your uh, property? Bulldoze my property over the cliff to, into the contractor's property, knocked over my legal surveyor sign, which is a $500 fine in itself, uh, cut down my trees so we can get a better view of the river. I hired a professional uh, tree expert, to measure the damages, which came to eight to ten thousand dollars, just for the value of the trees. Yeah. And when I called the police to have them arrested, our great New York State trooper, right in front of me, the contractor said, "Hey, officer, you want to take another walk around the property, just you and me?" Yeah. And I have this all on film. Wow. Well, what do you think? In the real life. Yeah. Is against me. Well, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, but this is kind of like the mentality that Trump has with the development uh, mentality. Uh, are, are you making that kind of uh, analogy here, uh, Frank, that we're going to see a lot of this? Um, of course. You know, it's already in the works. And by the way, the property was deemed uh, a globally rare habitat. Now it's ruined forever. He, uh, with his backhoe, he, he made a hole in the stream, destroyed the flora and the fauna, so a couple of cows can drink there. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, we can see today that the people of America are divided uh, and the people of the world are divided. So I don't know who's going to 
pull it together. Well, um, what do you think? What do you think is going to happen with like uh, you know, is this uh, Black Lives Matter movement uh, in this country? And now you got these police forces that have become militarized, uh, very conservative. Uh, there's been a, a you know a movement against it, and now you have Trump coming in. Uh, the, the police that you see today are not like the police. When I I look at pictures of you uh, back in the, in the in the 60s, you, were, you had long hair in and out of uniform. I mean, guys now are all buffed up on steroids. What has happened to our police forces? How did they become like this? They've become militarized, uh, you know, and the us against them has been reinforced. In fact, as we speak, the Water of Elite Arsenal up here just reopened, which means uh, we're going to have more guns, you know, more killing power. The uh, the uh, military will upgrade their weapons and give their uh, surplus to the police. Uh, I don't know who they're going to use them on, but um, I think America, you know, unfortunately, uh, instead of protesting around the world, I wish they'd come up here and and protest, you know, to save uh, the environment in their own backyard, you know. And uh, also, you know, I've heard um, uh, Trump and Putin referred to as uh, psychopaths. Uh, well, maybe one I of the two out... is right. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yeah, well, I think, I, I don't know if he's a psychopath, Trump, but he's certainly a psycho, all right? So, uh, well, I'm, I'm not going to comment on him yet because I haven't seen, but I haven't heard anybody refer to Netanyahu as a psycho I or have. any of you haven't heard predecessors. And I wonder how many of your listening audience are aware that on June 8, 1967, when Israel, Israel, attacked the USS Liberty with aircraft and torpedo boats, killing 34 young, brave Americans and wounding 171. The attack took place on international waters. Over nine hours of close surveillance, Israeli pilots circled the ship at low level 13 times on eight different occasions before attacking. Radio operators in Spain, Lebanon, Germany, and aboard the ship itself all heard the pilots reporting to their headquarters that this was an American ship. They attacked anyway. And they got and away the with it, right? They got when away the with ship it? failed to sink, the Israel government concocted an elaborate story to cover the crime just like they're doing today around the world. And I don't want to hear any crimes of anti-Semitism because I'm against anti-Semitics, I'm against any ism, and I'm against, uh, you know, any phobias. So what is lacking here in America is the truth. So if Trump is going to bring us some truth, well, well I, look, he's going to make things uh, even tighter with Israel. Uh, we're going to have Max Blumenthal on uh, to uh, give us his uh, predictions on uh, 
Israeli-U.S. relations and uh, what will happen in the Mideast. Uh, it doesn't look good if you're a Palestinian at this point in the West Bank and Gaza. Uh, and this is the only station where you could actually say that. You can actually say that and you'll get like a majority of agreement. Uh, and But, you know, you're not going to say that on MSNBC or on CBS radio. But, it, you know, Trump is is putting in... Uh, this guy who is uh, like Ra- Rabbi Kahani is, is the new uh, ambassador but to you know, Israel. Andy, it's not good for Israelis either. No, we know that. Yeah. You know, one of the pilots who identified the American ship was flying an American flag and had the insignias on the side. He flew back. He refused to fire. And you know what they did? They put him in jail. So wow. we're dealing here with a power that we don't know who's pulling the strings other than perhaps uh, the Israeli lobby. I, I, um, uh, I suggest to your li- listeners that they read about the Israeli lobby and U.S. foreign policy. Well, this, this crowd does listen to that, uh, Frank. Trust me, this is, we have an enlightened audience out there, and they're big fans of Frank Serpico and what you've done. Well, more police, uh, ex-police officers, current police officers, uh, people in intelligence uh, come out like you did. Give us a bold thing to do, Frank, back then, to actually go out in this climate in New York. I can't imagine them doing that now. Well, there are a handful that are trying, but as you listen, Randy, I get letters from good cops all over the world and and the country, right? And the story is always the same, okay? Look at what happened during Obama's administration. You know, he arrested whistleblowers. They don't, uh, and, and he came in, uh, you know, promising law and order uh, and clarity which we never got, and so uh, yes, the the um, the future looks uh, very bleak. So well, this guy's got a lot of power, Frank. You know, he's got a lot of power. He's been armed with a lot of power. All these new uh, directives and and laws that have pa- been passed over the last uh, twenty after nine eleven. Um, so many laws have been passed, repressive uh, measures, and now they're being uh, handed into uh, Trump's lap, even though he doesn't read. Uh, he's, I'm sure he's going to know the substance, and the people around him will know the substance of, of, of the, uh, uh, the agility, uh, the breadth uh, of the repressive measures he has inherited. But, you know, this has been an ongoing thing. Uh, you know, I don't know... Again, I know I'm speaking to an enlightened audience, but the conglomerates that are selling their wares around the country, you know, they want to put electricity into every, you know, like General Electric that polluted the Hudson. You know, I visit um, uh, uh, Amish country very often. I love these people. You know, they survive without electricity, without television, you know, they farm the land. Um, you know, if they can do without electricity and are happy, well, why don't they leave the people in Africa alone that want to live that way? No, we have to uh, impose on them, uh, you know, our way of life. You know, they're, again, the people of Russia, this was the only thing that I could hope when he talked about, you know, befriending Putin is that the people of Russia 
aren't our enemies. Uh, you know, uh, the enemy is the government uh, that stirs up uh, the people against each other. You know, the, the people of Russia, some of them, the farmers, are struggling to put bread on the table. And here in America, it seems, you know, the people who claim to be the impoverished are struggling. They want cake and soda on on their table. You know, yeah. somebody yeah. has to, you know, speak reason. It seems everything is out of control. All the superlatives. Everybody, look at Washington right now. You have every movement uh, demonstrating, and uh, so it's it's a circus. Well, Frank, Frank, we've been talking with Frank Serpico, uh, who was a whistleblower. We've had we have another whistleblower coming up, uh, Frank, uh, uh, coming up on the line. Uh, but it's always a pleasure. The documentary on Frank Serpico will be opening soon here at the uh, Tribeca Film Festival. Uh, you're a great man. You're a great American. You're 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 the you're the you're the what really oh, thank makes you, thank you, Randy, you make America great. Uh, but I have to really uh, shove off here. But uh, Frank, is there a website? A website we can go to? If you listen to the people should learn uh, and live tolerance and truth. That's the only thing that's going to set you free. Thank you. I appreciate that. Frank Serpico, the one and only Frank Serpico uh, from upstate New York. Boy, I love talking to him. Uh, he's got a lot of energy, doesn't he? He still does, Michael G. Haskins. Well, Okay, so that was uh, uh, Frank Serpico. At the uh, the day of the inauguration of Donald Trump, so that's three interviews we had with Mr. Serpico, the as Julian Assange said, the granddaddy of uh, police whistleblowers, and uh, he's been so consistent from way back in the 60s up until now, and he's in his early 80s. By the way, this is Randy Critical, Randy Critical, live on the fly. Uh, we want to continue this series, Assange Countdown to Freedom. Uh, we need your support. I mean, I've got an incredible uh, team of people working with me. I have uh, Kelly Lane, who's the engineer out of North Carolina. I have uh, Jimmy Sunderland uh, way out there at a little city called Lake Arrowhead, way up in the mountains in the Sierra Nevadas in uh, California. Lake Arrowhead uh, doing the editing. Got Sarah uh, Kunzer doing the website. Margaret Ratner Kunzer who does uh, the overview uh, when we do the um, when we put them on, uh, we publish them. And so she like kind of like summarizes what we're putting out. So we 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 have uh, volunteers and we have you know we have some expenses here, and uh, we need your support if you want us to do this. And we want to do this. I'm losing money. I've never made a nickel uh, doing this. A lot of people making a lot of money. They've jumped on the Assange bandwagon. I, I don't want to mention names, but they're making money. Can you imagine doing this for money? We don't do this for money. We're looking to break even so, so we can continue. This is such an important... It's like making money uh, as a partisan in Italy at the end of World War II. You don't do it for money, you do it because we're partisans. It's not about making money, but there are people who are making money off of this Assange movement. Uh, 
I, I, I wish you were doing it uh, gratis and doing it because it's the right thing to do. That's what we're doing here. We're not making a nickel here. We're just looking to take care of our expenses. And you can help us underwrite those expenses by going to Assange Countdown to Freedom dot com Assange Countdown to Freedom dot com um, and um, that's about it that's uh, that those are three lost interviews uh, the evolution of uh, Frank Serpico uh, in, in in the sense of this show here there's three different interviews and I love that guy man he's 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 like really put his life and liberty uh, on the table uh, to do the right thing. And that's what he's done, as has Julian Sons. So um, I think that's about it. I have no idea what our closing music is. We'll see you very soon. I'm Randy Credico uh, on behalf of uh, Jimmy Sunderland, Kelly Lay, Margaret Ratner, and uh, Sarah Kunstler. See you soon. Thank you. It's lovely going through the zoo. Well, it's very fancy on old Delancey Street, you know. The subway charms us so When balmy breezes blow To and fro And tell me what street Compares with Moth Street in July Carts gently gliding by the great big cities, a wondrous toy just made for a girl. Child's 
kiss we stole Soul to soul And for some high fare We'll go to my fair lady say We'll hope it Cannot, no, it cannot destroy.